Hello, legends, and welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club of United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today I'm catching up with Cub member George Dibb, the founder and CEO of Amfin. Amfin is a fintech company that specializes in consumer and commercial finance and have a passion for customer service. George is an incredible guy. In just four years, he's built his business to have over 30 staff and is growing very, very fast. We discussed being unemployable (laughs) before you own your business. A lot of business owners are unemployable. Finding your passion and turning that into your business and creating a family-like business culture for your team. It was a really, really passionate episode. Enjoy the show. I read your reason for joining the club on the uh, on your prep sheet, and I really, really liked it. it was, I, oh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it, it was something like uh, I wanted to be inspired by other by other accomplished business owners. Have you been inspired at all since since joining? I have, yeah. Um, when I initially started, I'd seen other networking groups. I'd joined them, and I absolutely hated them. But when I'd spoken to Anthony, when and went through what you guys actually did, um, the reason you guys created the actual um, Cub in itself, I, I liked it. It resonated with me because one of the things that I was looking for was not for people to to sell me anything or for me to sell them anything. It was just for me to be able to get some insights into people that have been successful, people that are emerging in business, people that have you know that have had some of the struggles that I've had and that you continue to have as a as a business owner. And being green in business, when I opened the thing, I thought, you know what, this could be a really good good way for me to mature in business, Mm. um, learn from people that have made mistakes again, like I have, and, and just learn some new ideas that I potentially, potentially don't have, you know, I know this is going to sound controversial, but uh, controversial, but I don't like business coaches. I don't like the idea of it. I like the idea of going to people that own businesses that have had the issues that I have and learning from them if they're willing to give me that info <laughs> as I am, as I am yeah. the same. So if there's anyone that's a business coach, I apologize. No, you don't have to. I mean, yeah, you could, maybe you should apologize, <laughs> but I always talk shit about business coaches on this podcast too. So, I mean, I have nothing against them. There's brilliant business coaches out there but there's also a lot of really bad ones and I think that the good ones get a bad rep from the bad ones so yeah like you I'm one to surround myself with other um actual accomplished business owners and and learn learn through I guess community and through relationships (laughs) that's so funny you said that (laughs) look I think mindset coaches are good right I think those are the types of people that you want to surround yourself with because they're the ones that can get you through when you're feeling a bit anxious, when you've got a big thing coming up, whether it be a big pitch or, you know, a meeting that's important to your business, like stuff like that that can help you maintain emotion. Yep. I think those guys that sit within the business mentoring framework are the guys that I, I probably resonate with more. <laughs> yeah, you know, I agree. It, it, it is a form of like being surrounded by great people or any community is a form of like coaching. Yeah, it is because yeah. you, you're surrounded by all this knowledge. You're surrounded. It's like if I went and hung out at the gym with all the PTs, well, shit, I'm probably going to learn a thing or two about building muscle. You mean if I go surround myself with a bunch of business owners, well, I'm obviously going to be learning a lot about business. So it is technically a it. form of like communal, communal coaching. Oh. But, and I think the thing with you guys is a diverse range of people, right? You've got people from the start, people who have already – who are at the height of their business mm. and people that have finished in business and just want to help people out from a mentoring perspective. So, yeah, yeah that's the reason why I joined. That was like probably 99% of the reason why I wanted to join <laughs> well, Cub. That's a fantastic answer. <laughs> <laughs> but um, – and, and it, 
I forgot to say, welcome to the show, George. Thanks, man. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. And, and um, why don't we give, because um, you're you're quite the businessman yourself, why don't we give um, the listeners a bit of an introduction to Amfin, um, uh, I guess, the position the business is in at the moment, as well as what you actually do? Cool. So um, I define Amfin as a customer experience business that is currently a business finance brokerage. Um, one of the things that I guess with me, maybe from my background, is that I'm a very emotional person, which means that with everything that I do in life, whether it be buying a, a pair of sunglasses, whether it be me at a restaurant, I'm always looking for someone that's going to give me an experience, right? So the littlest things in life, even when you conversations with your friends, conversations with your family, and if it doesn't spark me, I'm not really excited by it. So I wanted to create a business where experience was everything. Um, finance is obviously my background. You know, I said before business, but we actually look after consumers as well. Um, I started the business because I thought that was a better way to do it. I thought that, you know, finance should be accessible to majority of people where, you know, you look at the current industry and you look at where we're at as a society, it becomes more and more exclusive as to whether you can get finance or not. And if you fall into that category of um, an emerging business or even a smaller business that's just starting up, then you're always put into a lower class. You're always not looked at the same and you're not given the afforded the opportunities that, that are a business that's already at that level is given. So whereas I think, you know, maybe 10, 12 years ago it was different. It was like that where, you know, emerging businesses and startup businesses get to that point and they were helped along the way by their institutions. So I wanted to create a business that one, you know, help customers out that looked at experience in everything that we did with them, whether it be giving them a yes or giving them a no. If it's a no, give them the reason why you're giving them a no, right? Guide them and help them so that you can get to the next point of their journey so that the no becomes a yes. So you coach them. So um, I think that's one of the things that I really wanted to, to delve into is, is that how can I make the experience, whether it be the receptionist in my business, whether it be all the way up to me, be perfect. You know, one of the things that I think differs with us as well is, is that we're an ownership business. So what I mean by that is, is, is that if we F up, we own it. Yep. Never, ever put it on anybody else. You know, even if it's the littlest thing, it'll be me that gets on the phone with the customer. And we've got thousands of customers because yeah, it's I, important to me. I um, I, I just want to get – so so your background was in finance. So you were working at other finance companies before starting Amphen? No. So I've been in finance for a grand total of seven years. Prior to that, I was in relationship management roles. So if you look at when I first started, I started when I was 32. I'm 39 now. Um, Are you 39? Yeah. I probably thought you were 32. I was actually going to recommend you join the – the young members group in the in Cubs on Cubs new app. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm thirty two. <laughs> That's uh, funny. Um, I was in. So, funnily enough, I was probably the most unemployable bloke you'll ever meet in your life. So, prior to me joining the automotive industry, which was when I first got into finance, I was easily the worst employee you'll ever have because I went into jobs thinking that I was the best at what I did. I wanted the job of the owner, not really understanding the fundamentals of business and the challenges that you go through. I, I know now, believe me, because I've got plenty of those people that have come and gone in my business um, that have that have done the same thing, but I get it, I understand. And it's all about trying to mentor and coach these people so that, you know, give them ideas to what you can do to get to that next stage of your, your career, whether it be with me or whether it be in your own business. So, yeah, so I, um, I started – my finance journey in an automotive dealership. Um, it was almost like a Wolf of Wall Street moment. I still remember. I was in a job which was really cool. It was nice guy. He helped me out a lot. I basically did nothing. It was a. It was your, a job. your job. Your yeah, boss was a relationship. Was a nice guy. Yeah, great guy. Yeah. I was a relationship manager, and I was literally looking for something to do for the for the nine months that I was there. And it was always like, nah, everything's under control. Just go see this customer, and you'll be fine. Just relationship management. 
I can't do this anymore. Anyway, so I called um, my brother-in-law and I said, mate, what do you do? He goes, oh, I'm a business manager at a dealership and you know we sell finance to customers that come in and buy cars. I think you'd be good at it. I go, all right, great. I go, how much do you earn? He goes, this much. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, yeah, this much. I go, all right, I quit my job. And I went <laughs> and I got him to get me a few interviews. Luckily enough, I got all three interviews. So it was very much like that Wolf of Wall Street moment where he's in the cafe and he tells him how much he earns and he goes and quits his job. It was very much like that. And it was before the movie too. Um, and yeah, I just, I joined, I immersed myself into it. I found a love for finance. You know, I found that again in the dealership, there was an opportunity to not only look after the customers that were in there, but people, but to also help them with their finance needs outside of the dealership as well. So I started to build up a referral network. Um, one of the groups of referrers that actually came through were mortgage brokers. So, um, with mortgage brokers, they like to do what is in their lane. So mortgages and all the other stuff like cars, trucks, equipment, business finance is an ancillary service, right? It's not something that there's a lot of confidence in doing. So I thought that there was an opportunity for me to go in as my first core customer when I went and set up my own business and that was to look after mortgage brokers and essentially become an extension of their business. So so just to, just to backtrack, so you're working as a, a client servicing type person. Yeah, you're bored. Your boss was a nice guy but you were bored and your mate calls you. It's like, hey, you can make a lot of money selling finance and and you liked finance. What made you enjoy finance? Is finance something you love? I don't know. I've never really. I've always I liked like, it. I like making <laughs> money, but, but, but uh, is finance, it, what do you love about it? Numbers has always been the thing that I've enjoyed when I was a kid. So at school I'm, I had a mystery mark in my HSC because I didn't finish it. But one of the things that I passed was was maths and economics. There were two things that I really enjoyed. I like maths, I like, I like numbers, I like coming up with solutions off the back of numbers. And I think that's what I, what resonated with me in finance, right, is, is that, you know, coming up with a solution for clients so they can purchase something that they really want, right? And I think I like that, the whole point of being able to give someone the ability to purchase something that is going to make them happy. So it resonated really well with me. So um, uh, that was probably one of the reasons why I enjoyed it. I think over and above the finance aspect, I really enjoy dealing with people. I like the customer experience aspect. I like turning hostile customers into happy customers. I like, you know, making happy customers even happier. I like people talking about me in a really good way so that, you know, when they do come back, they know that they're always going to get an experience for me that's that's top notch. So I think it was more than just the finance when I went to dealership. It was an opportunity to to really show my personality. And yeah, it, um, it's it sounds like you just love people and that you've found a, a job or, or a business now, obviously, that people that makes people love you because you help them buy the things that they really want. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, I love people so much. I want everyone to be happy. I want to help you have the things in your life that are going to make you happy. And that's kind of what I, what I do for a living. A lot of what you're talking about is people and, and emotion and experience and like, you know, there's an experience getting in a car that I just bought that I, you know, otherwise wouldn't be able to have. There's an experience um, being able to grow my business and hire people with the money that I got from my financial institution. It's an experience. These are all things that like you're, you're almost there for people at very important parts or points of their life or important points of either accomplishment in that, ah, I can finally afford to to get the car I want or at points of growth, like, okay, I need to be able to grow. You know, th- th- this is the next step for me. This is the step before I get to the step I want to be. And so it, it's really like, th- that's what I'm getting. It, it sounds like you're just very passionate about people and you found a really great way to help people. And uh, funny enough, it's in an industry that would, you know, by nature, you expect finance to be 
Boring. Um, yeah, boring, mean. <laughs> like you think the banks, you think all these type of, um, uh, all these type of things. Uh, thing. Although I do have to do a shout out to Kasha from NAB. She's my um, uh, my bank manager. She takes care of me and she does an excellent job. So thank you, Kasha. Nice work. But uh, yeah, I have to. I've never given her a shout out before, and she's she's recently done some amazing things for for myself and Cub. If anyone wants to reach out to Kasha, actually, just um, email Laura at Cub PVC, <laughs> and Laura will Laura will organize it for you. Um, yeah, so it sounds like you've really, you've really um, found that that section, and you've, you're doing it in an industry where caring about people's um, emotions and the experience of people, and actually being nice and honest, is not prevalent. And and I'm sure that's. Do, do you believe having that point of difference in character and 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 culture as a company? Do you think that has been what has propelled you to what, what is a very fast growing and successful company now? Yeah, I reckon it has because. You know, one of the things that we did, which is very different to the standard, what you would call fintech, is we did it organically. You know, we started a business. We, you know, had the fundamentals of delivering a customer experience that was better than others. That was about also knowing our stuff, you know, with finance, you know, that you're speaking to a person on the other end of the phone that knows what they're doing is truly coming up with a solution for you. So two of the real basic fun- fundamentals is customer experience, meaning that at every step of the way, keep the customer informed of what's going on, right? Whether it's good, bad or indifferent. Because one of the biggest things with finance is that you always feel daunted by whether you're going to get it or not. And that silence is something that people do not like. You would know yourself, right? If you've mm-hmm. been told, um, I'm going to give you an answer in 24 hours about your finance and it's three days later, it's a, it's not a nice feeling. So just doing the fundamentals really, really well. Um, also, you know, and again, just to touch on that, we a very manual business when we first started. So it was all paper-based. It was all phone calls, not a lot of technology behind it. But, you know, we were up against customers or, sorry, other fintechs that were well-funded, you know, through investment and so forth that, you know, yes, they were growing quicker, but they weren't growing from a revenue perspective. They were growing from a, hey, we've got all this money coming in. We're going to build all this great technology. We're going to have these people that are going to come in and, you know, service these customers off the back of great technology, but they didn't understand that technology is the enabler. You know, customer experience, the human experience is the first part. You know, get that right, understand who it is that you're selling to, whether it be a referrer and their customer as well. And then once you've got all that done, once you've collated as much data as you possibly can and what a customer is looking for, and there's multi-stake, sorry, there's different customers, right? You've got your customer, you've got your referrer, you've got the people that sit within your business as well. You've got your lender partners, you've got your, your BDMs. There are so many people that are defined as customers, understanding what it means to them to be serviced. And then once you get that right, then start building technology off the back of that so that you can only enhance what it is that you're doing. So, so you're, you're almost saying that, you, and, and I want to learn more about your business, why it's a fintech and what type of finance you do. But you're, you're, you're saying that while you're a fintech business, your people are still the priority. It's personalized customer service is still the priority over um, um, the speed, I guess, or, or accessibility of technology. While technology is good in your business, it's the people connection that that you guys pride on. You pride yourself on more. Absolutely. Look, when we first started the business, my business name was called Approved Motor Finance, right? So, and it was called. That's Approved- actually a great name. I'd be like, <laughs> "Fuck, I'm going to go to that guy. Gonna, I'm going to get approved." <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I came up with. It couple of seconds after deciding that I wanted to start the business. But yeah, proved motor finance. The reason why I was called that is I only knew motors, right? Back then it was only cars. But, you know, as we gradually built our business, we had more referral partners. People trusted what we did. They started asking us for more. They said, hey, I need you to finance this fit out. I need you to finance a piece of machinery. I've got, you know, an olive oil making machine that I need to get done and I want you guys to help. And, you know, the reason why we are now named Amfin is because you can't call yourself approved motor finance if you're doing such a diverse range of assets. So, 
you know, our customer experience led us to diversify into these other things that we didn't even know that we're going to get into, right? We thought we're going to be cars for majority of the time that we, when we first started as far as strategy was concerned, but we kept evolving. And as a result of that, our name was abbreviated so, to Amphin. Yes, yeah, so Amphin is approved motor, what is, approved motor vehicle finance. Approved motor but finance. But short, Amphin. Yeah. So Amphin. So <laughs> That's great. I was actually curious how you came up with that name. Yeah. So there's and not a lot of marketing or a lot, not a lot of um, thought process that goes into yeah. our names. There's uh, no, very like much it. me just <laughs> yeah, off the cuff. I, I think it's good. <laughs> it's better than Cub. <laughs> I like Cub. It's good. Yeah, everyone likes it. Makes you feel nice and likes, warm. Yeah, it's a cute little name. But but how, how did we come up with it? Like it was just random. I, I literally was just like, well, that's short and people will remember it. But but um, anyway, back, back on to you. Um, and, and so what type of finance do you do? Do you do – do you, now do you do mortgages or no, it's it's business finance or is it asset finance or what type? So quite a bit. So one of our biggest customer bases is mortgage brokers. So they're our biggest referral partner network. We sit on a lot of big aggregator panels as a as a hub, right? Um, one of the things that we do is, again, we're an ancillary service. We like to integrate ourselves into them so it looks like it's uniform. And one of the things that we don't do and we haven't done is mortgages, right? We want to be able to provide services and products that are, are beneficial to them and their customers. So don't want to step on their toes essentially. Um, and so can we just clarify for the for the listeners, your referral partners are mortgage brokers because mortgage brokers only are only focusing on on, on uh, finance for homes or, or you know, property, whereas whereas when a mortgage broker's client wants something else financed, the mortgage broker can then send them to you. And Correct. That's, that's what you mean. Yeah, so there are some mortgage brokers that are very good at diversifying into other product ranges, but you know what we've gone and done is we've cultivated a niche for ourselves in that they know that they can use us as a partner. You know, again, that customer experience part is really important in that we know that it's their customer. We always treat it like it's their customer so that there's no dissatisfaction on our end. And if there is, again, we own our mistakes. Um, but to, to answer your question around the type of products that we do, we do everything but essentially the, the mortgage product. So we assist with cash flow, we assist with assets, anything essentially that has a serial number. Um, we do any of the trade debtor facilities that are available now. We're also now doing general insurance, which is the next thing that will pop as part of a part of the Amfin range. And I think what you'll find with us is that we want to be able to create an environment where a mortgage broker, even a customer directly can come to us and not have to leave, right? I think, you know, one of the things that the banks did very well a long time ago is, is that they made a customer feel like they could get everything there where, you know, you'll see a lot with banks, they diversify out a lot of the assets that they have. You know, some of them have big asset finance divisions, they're all gone, right? So they're starting to move into different sections. So, you know, for me, it was something that I thought always worked. It still does work. People want to be able to go to one place so that they don't have to continuously shop and look and find where it is that I can find a product. You know, it's a financial services product. It can all sit under the one umbrella and that's what we're doing. And so, so you've strategically stayed away from mortgages because you've found that's been a great uh, marketing source for you. Yeah, so. and- it, for me, I like the fast pace, you know, nature of asset finance yeah, and business quick, finance. Quick, I love it. You know, I'm a fast paced individual. Get paid faster. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but also it's, it's also it's also a relatively non-daunting finance where like when you finance a house, it's a really big commitment and well, that's a special moment. But when you finance a car or you finance something smaller, you know, it, it's it's like a, it's a short little happy like, oh. Mad, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like it's 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 a different experience. But and and where does the technology part come from? So the technology part is just bringing it all together, right? Like I said to you, we we held back on our technology in 
in what we wanted to provide to the customer. The next phase for us from a tech perspective is, is that how do we get all of the things that we do really, really well from a customer experience perspective and throw them into a portal where a customer is able and a, ref- a referral partner is able to go in there and know that they can transact with us, whether it be business loan, again, like I said, cash loan, asset finance loan, and really just have to update details once a year. You know, get to that point where it's just nice and simple. You have a dashboard to see where you're at. You know, even some nice insights as to how you're tracking with your income, your revenue as to where your peak periods are, where your periods where you have lower cash flow, where we can essentially then come in and provide you products that you might need over that period of time to get you through. So there's some real cool stuff that we want to do around how we can get into the buying behavior of the referring partner and the customer so that we can provide them better products that are suitable to them. And so how are you accessing that buyer behavior? Is it is it like I would come to you and say, hey, listen, um, our July is not looking very good. All our, all our potential clients are flying overseas to Europe and so we don't make many sales in July. Is there a product that can – is that it or – So no, it's about you- understanding the customer and data collection that we've got over time. So for example, if you – um. If you're getting a business loan, you, you've got to give us your bank statements, right? Mm-hmm. And your bank statements are essentially going to be either six to 12 months. We can see your trends very clearly in there. There are tools that are enable you okay, so to you're actually read the doing data. It from the bank statements. Yeah. yeah. And, and that gets stored into this tech portal. And therefore, you're able to see, okay, these people will need these type of yeah. loans at this time. Yeah. And the way What's that like? we do it is always not invasive. So we ask the referring partner and the customer to tell us what they want to opt in and what they want to opt out of. So mm-hmm. if they just want to talk about asset with their clients and we'll talk about asset, if they want to have the whole suite of Amphine products and we'll do that too so that we can continuously provide them with with some help around, you know, like I said, cash flow, you know, the, the next stage of their business where they want to grow from, you know, two or three people up to 10, what's required there, do they need assets, do they need the money to be able to fund it, you know, things like that that I think – we forgot to do. And it's not just the tech that will do that. The people that are within our business that are relationship managers that will continuously do that as well. And so, and that's all on amfin.com.au or? No, so that's what we're building now. So oh, you're that's building the next phase that. Oh, so us. that's yeah. the tech. So the that's tech the part's tech part. coming. Yeah. So I, look, okay. it's four years. We've been in business now for four years. Yeah. And we've held off to this point to really go and build something that we think is going to be viable for the customer. You know, there are other platforms out there that are that do some of what we want to do. But what we want to do is a little bit more extensive. We Again, we want more a wallet for the customer so that they feel like there's nowhere else to go. And in four years' time, what position have you got into the business, uh, gotten the business to? Did, did it grow fast? Did you have to hire lots of people? Do you have uh, – where, where are your offices? So we're at 30 people now. Oh, wow. That's fast in four years. Yeah. So um, probably half of those people happened within the last 12 months. Wow. So that was um, – we got one of our biggest um, – uh, partnerships happen over the course of the year. So that was pretty cool. Um, we got more to come as well, which is great. Um, but we're now building our, what we like to call our bench strength in in the right people in the right roles. So for example, you look at me, I was head of sales, I was CEO, I was marketing, I'll sit, get in and help with a deal if I had to. Um, those are the sort of things that I was doing where we're now, we have a COO who is ex-bank. Um, we've now got a head of um, growth who used to be the head of marketing for Merivale Group. Um, we're now looking at different offices so that we can open up the range of talent to bring into the business. So, for example, we're at Bella Vista and, you know, I like Bella Vista because it's 10 minutes from my home. I want to be close to my family and be close to my children. So I've got an office that's close to that to, to also, you know, be part of my personal life. You know, one of the reasons why you start business is that you want to do it for your family. So I want to be close to them and not be so so stuck in an office all the time. But in saying that, you know, as we've grown, we've known that to get some talent, they may not want to go there. So we're just about to open up an office over in Surrey Hills, which will essentially house our tech and our marketing aspect of the business. You know, the the more transactional stuff will probably stay over at Bella Vista, but what we want to do is 
especially with the new world and how things have changed, is give our people the flexibility to work out of both, right? Very much like a Macquarie Bank type scenario where you plug and play. There's no real desk that's set up for you. Just come in. If you want to work from home, work from home as well. That's cool. So basically you're saying that, hey, I don't think well, – we've got the tech business is growing and it's about to kick off. We don't think we're going to get tech people in Bella Vista. Tech people are, are going to be found more around Surrey Hills in these areas. Let's put an office there so we're more appealing so we can get the better people. That's a really cool um, – that's a really cool strategy. It's like Cub. I'm in the CBDs because, well, most business owners are – a lot of business Makes owners sense. are in the CBDs. It's probably the most condensed group of business owners you're going to find in the country. So we'll, we'll go in the CBD. You're doing the same thing. It's proximity, but you're doing it towards people that can – to work with the business, you're looking for your team, your proximity to the best people for this specific team. And finance, while it works perfectly in your area, you believe that technology is going to be better out here. I actually agree with that too. It's probably a fact, to be honest with you. But that's really cool that you've done that. I think it's a good, a good move. Oh, look, the thing about us is, is that my my CEO will probably tell you that he's he gets whiplash from me, but I just do things as I think that they're going to work. I um I like to have a crack because I don't have any preconceived ideas of how things are supposed to be or what they're supposed to do. I just do it. And um, I think that's been me <laughs> since the outset. I've probably made a crap load of mistakes. Um, I've had some good people that actually sit within Cub that have helped me, you know, around some of those mistakes so that I do better the next time. But, you know, for me, you know, I've come into finance with not really a finance background, mm. right? So in order for you to make change in an industry, who better to do it than someone that's not so immersed in it? There's something special about being a business owner and being very in tune with your clients, in contact with your clients, like me and you, the other day we we did um, uh, like we, we did my I call it the community pulse um, catch up where you know I, I just touched base. We got on Zoom, and uh, I'm fairly certain that's how we actually ended up doing this podcast. Yeah. But but uh, I touched base on Zoom. Just wanted to hear about your experience, what you liked, what you didn't like, what you'd like to see happen. Get your opinion on things we're working on. I write all these. I, I, I interview at least. 10 to 15 members uh, every month, different members of all different stages of membership. And I write them all down into this report directly as I'm talking, as I'm, I'm doing it. And we end up with this every quarter, we end up with this fantastic report called the Community Pulse. And it's basically just a full collation of what tons of members have said that they're, they're currently feeling. And we use that in our... Um, quarterly meetings. I have to deliver it to the board. You know, it literally directs our decisions as a club. And I think you do something quite similar. You nailed it. Like listening is the biggest tool that you can have in your arsenal as a business owner, I think. Right. You know, and I think if you don't have any, like I said, preconceived ideas or concepts around what people want and you actually listen to what they want, you can very much come with something that suits most people. Right. There are some people that you just can't make happy in there. Yeah, well, you don't want them anyway. They're, yeah, right. they're, they're the people that take up 80% of your team's time wasted. Like they just complain about things. They ask for things that we don't even provide. And you're, you're like, I'd rather not take your money. I'll give you your yeah, money back. Keep it. There's plenty of great people that, are, that, you know, that we like to work with. So you learn that in business though, don't you? Like yeah. not all money's worth taking. <laughs> no, look, and, it's, and it shouldn't ever be about the money. Look, as much as money is important, like, I genuinely – love what I do. Like I love it. Like if, you know, if you told me tomorrow that there was no money attached to it, but are you still going to rock up to work? I probably would, right? Because, you know, you know, as a business owner, money just doesn't come to you, right? The money comes as a result of hard work, but the key driving force behind it is the love for it. And um, like I said, the reason why I was unemployable and I know this now is because I never loved what I did, right? I hated 
pretty much every job that I did. I was good at them, but never ever had that tenure. I was able to stay as you know long as I should have probably in those roles because I just didn't like it. Yeah. Where now I love what I do. I love the people that I work with. You know, they are like family to me. As much as you've got to have that separation between you and them, you know, there's nothing that I wouldn't do for them. So I think that if, if those aren't the things that are what drives you, if you're not willing to listen to people, if you're not willing to love what you do, then you probably shouldn't start the business. Yeah, and it's but it's kind of like you, there's all different forms of love. Like I've spoken to some members on this podcast that they uh, – did business because they love having it, living a free life for themselves. You know, they love the freedom of, of themselves to, you know, they, they're their own boss. There's some people like yourself who love finance, but it seems more like that you love providing people with a great experience and, and making people happy. I myself don't particularly love like, running a networking company or a leadership community, believe me, it has a lot of headaches. It's very political. You've got to talk to a lot of people, listen to a lot of things. You've got a lot of smart people telling you things all day. But but what I love is business owners. I genuinely love business owners. They're my favourite people in the world. I love to serve them. If I wasn't serving them with networking, I'd be serving them with something else. Way. You know what I mean? This is just – I just also love hanging out with people. So it's – networking's fun. So – but I love business owners. So there's all different – some people love the type of business they do. Some people love the reason they do it. Some people yeah. love the things that it gives you. But you, there has to be that love yeah. somewhere. Look, and I think you nailed it. I'm, you're right. One of the things that I say to my, my guys all the time is that we are a customer experience business that's currently a broken business, which means that we can pivot away to anything that we decide we want to do over time. But the one thing that is always a constant is experience is everything. Yeah. And if it's not there, then we're not going to do it. Yeah. Like if we also, ever – I don't like to do anything – half ass. I, I don't know if you're allowed to swear, but I don't like it. You know, if if we're not going to do it the right way, if we're going to take shortcuts and not, and and do it so that we don't deliver the the best of what we consider customer experience, then I'd rather not. And tell me, how do you actually uh, educate, teach, or induct the members of your team, particularly new members? Because obviously you're onboarding people very fast at the moment. Um, 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 how are you teaching them the Amphin way? What What is your I guess, culture process. I think it's a leadership team is probably the first part. You know, people that have been with me since the outset as well understand exactly where my belief system is. And those people also have the same belief system, right? They've come here because they want to do things differently. You know, they might have come from environments that were extremely successful, but it was money and all, all the other stuff before the experience part. Feeling part of a family, like you know, the one thing that I've always said is, is that I've never been a business owner right prior to this, and I don't like the normal structure of a business ownership. In that, you know, if you do have someone that's really good for you, that that believes in what you do, that you know, speaks your brand in everything that they do, as far as when they're working for you, then why not make them a part of it? And I think, you know, for me, you know, I want people to feel like they have a sense of ownership when they're with Amfin. You know, whether it be the person that's at reception, whether it be the person that looks after our credit and processing team, wherever they are, you know, if they live, breathe and they and they feel what it is that we are trying to achieve, then they'll be with me for the long term and they'll be rewarded for it. So I think that, you know, that comes down from our leadership team. I very much get involved with everyone. I'm not the type of leader that sits there at the top and in that, from a helicopter view and just sees, you know, what's going on and make decisions you know, and pass them down to my leadership team. I like to be able to be there with them as well, you know, so that, you know, the people within our business, regardless of where they are or who they are within it, feel like they've got a relationship with me. So I know that's harder as you get bigger, you know, from 30 people to 100 people, you know, that's something that may become a little bit more difficult, but as long as I can, I want to do it. Do you know what one member does? It's kind of like what I do with the community. You know how I send my Monday email to the community, to all members every Monday. There's a member 
named Adrian Hondros, who sends, he's the CEO of one of the country's largest home builders. He sends, um, I'm trying to remember what it's called. He sends an email every week to every staff member in that organization. And it's called, oh, it's called Hondo's Herald. <laughs> I'm fairly I like certain. It. I don't want to butcher it, but I think it's called Adrian Hondros, Hondo's, Hondo's Herald. And it just updates the, you know, the entire staff on what's going on with the company. I, I think he does it weekly. And I, I that's think cool. that's a really cool idea, particularly, obviously, it, it's a way for people to feel connected to you as the leader, um, as the owner or CEO in some way, even though they're not able to be talking to you all the time because obviously he, he would have hundreds of people uh, working for him. So I, I really like that system. I just wanted to talk about um, the concept of family and business and, and you keep talking about, um, you know, I want to make my the team feel like uh, they're family, like I would do anything for them. That's how we run Cup 100%. And I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. What, what a, how, how do you show them? Family, what does family in business mean to you? By telling them when they're doing good and also telling them when they're doing bad. So honesty? Yeah, honesty is one of the most important things, right? Is it's not don't give any people a false sense of, you know, position, right? I hated that when I was working. You know, when you're when I was in jobs thinking I was doing a great job and then finding out a month later that it was complete opposite of what I was doing, then you don't want that. You know, one of those things is having full transparency with your staff with their journey, right? Nurturing and helping them through there, through, you know, some of the obstacles that happen within business. You know, also being aware and understanding that there are issues that are always going to happen that are outside of work and try to make sure that you're not too harsh, but you're also ensuring that you have, you know, that respect to, you know, to have, to give respect to the business back. I don't know if I'm making sense. I guess one of the things, what I mean by that is, is that, you know, me growing up as an employee, I felt like, you know, the owners that I worked for never really had an understanding of if there were things happening in your background, right, Some in the background with your family and so forth. Um, but I also took the piss out of that too, you know, a lot of the time. So mm. it's about finding that balance and making sure that, you know, they know that you're there, that you're always willing to assist them if something's happening within the work environment or after, but to also have that sense of, hey, if, if this is a family business, treat me like I'm your family and don't take the piss out of me. Yeah. And uh, I think we have that in our business, which is good. But I think you describe that perfectly because if, but, but being family, like to me how I would relate to that is what your family cares about all aspects of your life and they're going to try and help you in all aspects of your life and they're going to tr- try to, you know, uh, they're going to be empathetic to all aspects of your life, whether it be your friends, your business, your, your, your work, whatever it might be. And as a business owner, I think you need to do, with, to do that as well because people need to feel – I'm safe with this community. If people are part of a business, it needs to be, this is the best place for me to be. I feel safest here. This is, I, I, this is literally the best place I could be. I can have a great future. I feel, uh, I feel welcomed and, uh, and I feel loved. I feel part of the community. I feel valued. Um, and I, there's no reason I'd ever want to leave. You know, I, I have a good financial future if I work hard and, you know, there's there, – my boss is open to to helping me plan for what I want and what I want in the future. I'm getting married, I'm buying a house, I'm doing whatever. And but most importantly, I think that and we do it very well at Cub is oh, is um, is understanding that shit happens. People's lives are very strange, and your life. Um, not saying yours, but like let's say my life, like your life as a business owner, what you think is normal and how your world works is not how that of other people's world works. And so people – and fucked up shit happens to people. Like it, either it's always happened to them, that's their life, either it's something bad that happens once now or it's just the case. And what people need to know is that, 
hey, look, we understand as leaders that life's hard and shit happens that can affect your work. And we're never going to be upset about that. Don't, don't worry about that. But what we do want is for you to be open and honest about what's going on so that we're able to help you through that so you can get back to work <laughs> and get back to performing and not just get back to work for, for, for me, but you're working for yourself. If you're part of this company, you've got a future and therefore you need to work for yourself for that future. Otherwise, you're not going to get there. And not only is the bad thing that's happened to you recently uh, uh, happening, then it's going to screw up your future and you're going to lose it all. I don't want you to do that. Yeah, because we've all probably experienced in one way, shape or form, yes. right? Like we've all experienced as a type of trauma, right? And that's one of the things I wanted to bring into businesses is that taking the learnings that I had over my life, nothing to do with business, nothing to do with, you know, even the work that I had, but things that you learn over life with experience with people, whether, you know, the bad things, the good things that happen in your life, to understand that these are the kind of things that get in the way of the people, help them through that. And if you get them through that, great, then you're right. Everything else will, will will happen up as a result of that. You know, for me, if I had more of a mentor like that when I was younger, things probably happened a little bit different and they probably happened earlier, right? So I think for me, what I want to try to do is learn the mistakes or learn the things that I went through as a, as a kid, as a teenager, and then as a 20-year-old uh, and and just make sure that when I'm having communication with people in my team or anyone that just wants to have a talk with me that I can actually resonate and listen to them, right? And, and if I can help, I can help. If I can't, try to find ways to actually help them that might be external of us. Right? I think that sometimes we try to be everything to everyone, but sometimes you just can't. But if you can lead someone to, to be better and, and, and help them get there by external resources, then I'll do it, right? I think that's the one thing, you know, that experience thing again that we talk about, right? The yeah. experience is so layered. It's not just about, you know, the service aspect. It's just about, you know, making sure that you truly are what you say you are, right? Customer experience has a whole bunch of meaning to it, but that experience needs to be with your people too. Yeah, and that's your culture of your company. It's kind of like, well, I can't expect my people to give a great customer experience if I'm not giving my people a great experience. You know, it, it does start with you. And then I guess you're saying the leadership team is is probably the first step towards creating your company culture. Um, and obviously you're working very closely with your leadership team and therefore they're experiencing the culture from you what's expected from you. If you start being shady to them and you start being rude to them, you, odds are they're going to start being rude to the next Attitudes people. are contagious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that was your favorite quote or something? Yeah, was that? attitudes agree, are contagious. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like the role of a leader as well, it's, it's, it's probably most important. Like I was thinking this morning, I was thinking, I was, in my head, I was like, you know what? The government should be paying business owners for what they've done through COVID. They should pay us. They should give us tax-free. Do you know why? <laughs> In a time where they said, oh, you know what, everyone, go sit, go to jail, go to your house, go to your bedroom, sit there, don't do shit, you're not allowed to do anything, you lose your job, fuck you, screw you, you, whatever, go, go there. At a time when the government just bailed on everyone, yep, you're all locked down, we'll, we'll, we'll trip you, feed you cash if we can by, by screwing up your country as well at the same time. Um, business owners literally were on Zoom every morning, motivating their staff, making sure they had something to do, providing them with certainty, having a plan, supporting them mentally and emotionally when they needed it, giving them funds for emergency if they really needed it for something. You know, the business owners carried the entire population, well, everyone with a job anyway, which you'd have to think was majority of the population, carried them in all aspects through COVID, not only paid them, but they had to, the amount of additional conversations, for example, that I had with team members and with, with members, but specifically with the team, the amount of additional meetings, one-on-one support conversation, the, the amount of effort I had to outlay energy-wise just to, to show people that 
I'm happy, I'm strong, you know, even though it hurts inside, but you're happy, you're strong. Like yeah. Just transferring that energy, like you're saying, what would you call it? Attitudes are contagious, Att- yeah. Just the energy it takes to transfer that so other people have a, a moment of energy and, and happiness and feel like they're part of something in a time that's so doomed. Like we should be paid for that. We're not paid for that. <laughs> we, If anything, we make money and then they just take it off us. They tax, they tax you the most. You know, like where's my payment? Yeah, oh, look- this is, I'm calling Scoma, um, bro. Uh, pay me. You know, like, I hear, I hear the passion in your voice because it's hard, man. Like I remember so the first time. It's the hardest. Job. I was shitting myself, right? Yeah. Sh- and you know, the, the biggest, most important thing for me over that period of time was keep everyone in a job. You know, we were luckily in, lucky enough that we we're in an industry that was still needed across the country. We we're lucky that we we're a national brand, but myself and my COO back then, a different guy, we were, we were, we were scared. Like we were genuinely scared. You know. We, we worked harder than we've ever worked before. I remember, you're, as you said, you know, you try to put on this persona to your staff, you're happy, everything is all good, but the moment you get off the call, you feel like you're going to cry, right, <laughs> because you're exhausted, right? You're exhausted by everything that you've got to do. You know, you've got to put on this persona and put, putting on personas isn't an exhausting thing. It's a scientifically proven thing, it's right? so tiring. Tiring. So, you know, we got out of that thinking, oh, good, you know, we've done a really good job in New South Wales, everything's back where, you know, we can start skating up again, which is what we did. And then all of a sudden, you know, End of June, same thing happens again. So, worse though. Worse, exactly yeah. right. So, you know, I think the one thing for us, which I'm grateful for, is our current CEO and us, we, we thought about it. We were very much about how do we continuously contact our staff. We have three calls a day, right? Some of them are probably sick of it, but at the end of it, you can see when you're talking to the people with all videos there, who's struggling, who isn't struggling. So you can get off the phone, you can go have a video call with them, see what's up, make sure they're okay. You know, always providing that, hey, call me, call me, call me. That's that's what we do, right? Call me if you need anything. Call me if you need anything. If you're struggling working at home, let us know if we can help you. Let us help you find methods. And like I said, I'll say it openly, I've never, ever been part of an organization that ever did that for me, right? No, um, it's, it's very rare. That, and I love it. Yeah. I love the fact that, you know, everything in our business is accessible, right? You know, my guys can see the financials if they want to. I don't care, right? I want to be able to make sure that my guys know that this is where we are. If I tell them that, hey, we're not making money, all we're doing right now is trying to survive so that we get to the next stage, I'll show them that it's true, right? One of the things that we are about, and the, again, I learned through time is, is that the moment you hide things, the moment, uh, you know, distrust comes in, the moment you leave, right? Whereas if you just opened up maybe 10% more, you probably last longer. You probably have a better career. I think, and people aren't stupid. They obviously know business isn't good right now. Like the, the world's shut. You know, like they, you know, they can obviously tell that it's not good. But, but just to, to like to the point, like you're putting on putting on the persona. It's not like it's not lying. It's it's just showing energy towards a purpose, which is what people need at that time. You're, you're being honest. You're saying obviously this is a hard time. The, you know, the world's closed, or Australia's closed, or whatever it is. Like it's obviously a hard time. We, we know that this is a risky time. But you want to make sure that they, that they believe that you believe that you can accomplish, you know, what you're saying that we're going to accomplish together, and 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 that takes tremendous energy. And what on just, I'm sure all the uh, a lot of the listeners and business owners are relating to me right now. But then not only are you are you the one sharing the energy and, and catching catching people. Mind you, I love doing this. I'm not complaining about doing it. All I'm doing is saying the government should pay business owners and pay with them with, with, with taking tax free for the next two years or something because we've done so much. Think about it. You're the one that financially is in the most stress. You're the one that's built this business that could be taken away from you due to reasons that are outside of your control. You, it's nothing you haven't even screwed up. The government's just forced you to, to lose. So 
right or wrong for them to do so because it's COVID. I'm not one to comment on that. I don't really care. But my point is business, it was hard for business owners. And on top of that, so you've got all the pressure, you've got all the stress, your family's livelihood's relying on it. You can't even get a job because I like you, I can't get a job. I don't fucking know how to Man, how I'm to unemployable. So, so you're, you're screwed if this fails. And on top of that, you have to support everybody else mentally and emotionally and, and give them the energy and give them the positivity. Now that is a special type of individual and that is what a business owner is willing to do. It's what it, it's the head of a, that's a business owner to me. Yeah. Someone who will sacrifice themselves to support those around them and provide everyone something safe and something strong. And the government should pay us for that because that's not easy and there's so few people that were able to do that or even willing, willing or able to do it. So, hey, we just carried this country through COVID Pay me, you know, take off some taxes. Yeah, well, probably the opposite will happen now as a result Yeah, I know they're going to tax up. us more now. Yeah, That's what I'm worried exactly. about. I hate it. Look, I think you're right. Look, and there are people that were what in positions. That, yeah, I liked it, but I'm going to send, I'm gonna send it to the politicians no, and no. pay us. Well, look, I think the biggest thing for us is if you watch news, and I'm, I try not to do it anymore because it does my head in, but the whole, the whole conversation is we're all in this together. We weren't. No, it's not. We're not. Not you are paid, you know, by us through the government. You have your drivers, you have your caretakers, you have a whole bunch of stuff there that is can that you don't really have the stress. The stress for you is to make decisions on behalf of us, essentially, yeah. right? But, but Which your family, but job. your family's safe. Your family gets paid, and yeah, your career's fine. Exactly right. Yeah. So, you know, I think the thing for us is is that at least when you're having conversations with your people, with your business owners, you know, talk in a way that they can understand you. Don't, yeah. don't. Give them lip service, basically. No, I agree. I agree. And anyway, it, uh, we could go on about yeah, this for could. a long we time. Should, we should switch topic because politicians <laughs> do have a very hard job. Like there was no it right, is. there was no right or wrong answer. No one knew what to do. But but the, but my well, we only point time. is, business owners had it the worst, and they get the least help. Oh, man, look at hospitality they owners. Look at retail help. owners. Look at all those guys that you know. One minute they're open, they bought all this stock in the cafe, and the next minute it's been shut down. Oh. Like, what do they do with that? Oh, right? no. Anyway, it's tough. But we're out. We're taking the first step out. And Melbourne, I hope, comes soon and the rest of the country soon. And, and you know what, though? The, the, obviously, I've got a lot to complain about, about how much effort business owners and what they've done for this country. But but it's these type of things that we go through that, as a business, business owner, make us stronger. Like, there is almost nothing I'm scared of now. I, I'm not – like, me, you, and there's many others. Whether you survived or whether you did great – in COVID. At Cub, honestly, I'm so, well, I, I told the team, we did the best in the country. We, we've done so incredibly well. Not doesn't mean we've had the biggest uh, uh, revenue months and fi financially. No, we've done well in, in, in other ways, in service innovations. Yeah. And we, we've launched two new clubhouses, built an app, designed a new service. Launched, yeah, we've done all this You were thing. busy during that time. You weren't just sitting there waiting on your hands, Ex sitting on your hands waiting for something to happen. Exactly. I can't remember the point I'm on anymore. I'm so pissed off. To the, <laughs> the government got you. Yeah, no, no, I'm not pissed off the government. I'm just pissed, yeah, pissed off the business owners. Yeah, I am at the government for business owners. Business owners should be taking care of the most. Look, I think success is different. It probably has a different definition if you go through COVID. Like, again, I think that we're extremely successful through COVID. because. Sorry. Yeah, that's what yeah. we're saying. You're stronger now having gone through COVID. And people exactly like right. myself, yourself, and every business owner that's gone through, whether it be um, just made it through alive, which is a huge accomplishment, or done really well, which is, of course, another huge accomplishment, you're now far better off than you were before. Oh, you're battle-hardened, that's for sure. Yeah, you're war-ready. And your yeah. team, if they're still intact, your team, oh, man. They, 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 you've been to war together now. Yeah, our team – 
yeah, what they've done over the course of the last three months in in what's a really difficult environment, right, is unbelievable. Like I could not be more proud and more happy that my team have done what they've done because at the end of the day, it's all of us. It's not just any individual like me, myself saying, hey, yeah, I'm head of Amphi and it was me, 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 me. Nah. No, no. Without them, you know, you don't get anywhere. Like even just the little wins that they get, if a customer gives them a, a wrap around how great the service was, that makes my day. Right, you know those little things that they they give you, that, which they probably don't think gives you the energy as an owner. They do, right? They give you a lot of energy. So, like I said, um, I think success is in this is keeping your staff through this period, and having you know done all the innovative stuff that you guys have done and the stuff that we're doing as well. I think if you've managed to do that and you've maintained a positive mindset that you're going to get out of this and you're going to push to the future even harder, even if you didn't make any money, you're still extremely successful. I fully agree. I completely agree. And you did hit a point. That teams are the most important thing in the, in business. You have a team, you've got a business. You don't have a team, like what are you, what are you going to do? So, the team, God bless them, are the most important people to a business owner, and that is why business owners fight so hard for their team because they understand that they're the most important thing. Why don't we wrap up there? Because that's a nice little yeah, that was good. On. Um, I do want to ask a couple of questions. You've got a favorite book. Um, that you recommended, what what is that? Right of a lifetime. What's it about financing cars? No, no, nothing to do with it at all. Um, so the ex CEO and now chairman of Disney. Okay, oh, I haven't read that. What's his name? Bob. Bob Eagle. Bob Eagle. Yeah, Bob Eagle. Awesome. He's a good. It's a good book. Yeah, that guy literally came from nothing. And one of the things that really? I love about him, and when I say nothing, he was obviously educated and so forth, and he went through the different stages of media and then into Disney. The one thing that resonates with me the most is, is that every time he went in to do a big deal, and when I say big deals, he bought Marvel, he bought Star Wars, he bought a whole bunch of stuff. It was always- <laughs> Big deals. <laughs> huge deals, right? But fair and equitable. Understanding that he wasn't just buying you know, a business, he was buying someone's baby. Right, you look at Marvel. The guy that he bought it off was very difficult, mate. Even when he bought Pixar, that was Steve Jobs, and Steve Jobs was known to be an extremely difficult person to do business with. But you know, he was able to do it because he he listened, he understood, and he tried to make a deal that was very equitable. But also, he gave them a vision of what the business would look like after they had bought it, so that they knew that he wouldn't tamper with it to a point where it looked like something different. Like he was extremely good in the way that he did that. You know, you, you see there's a lot of listening in there, that his tones in how he has conversations, different type of businessmen that you would expect at that level. So that's the reason why I liked it. It was, a, it was just all about making people feel comfortable. And as a result of that, look at Disney. Disney was actually failing, you know, based on their, their cartoons a long time ago as well. They were making crap. You know, Pixar was coming in and they were doing some awesome stuff around, you know, around that thing. So... You know, he was a visionary. He was great at putting a deal together. And to this day, all of those businesses are still extremely successful. Look yeah, at Marvel. I have to buy I have to buy that. I have listened to his podcast on, I believe it was Tim Ferriss, the Tim Ferriss show. Um he, he did an episode with Tim Ferriss, which was which was pretty good. Um awesome. And um to our listeners, if you want to find out more about Mr. George Dib uh, and visit Amfin, go to www.cub.club forward slash podcast and you can find uh, more tips and tricks from George there. His website, his LinkedIn page, you can get in contact. Um, and if you want to catch up with Cub on social media, go to the Club of United Business on Instagram and you'll find us there. George, thank you so much for your time today, my friend. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. To the listeners, I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks, guys.